0: Welcome to the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening that you are having a great start to your Wednesday. In today's episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about the 2019 draft and how, you know, it may not seem as if that draft was, you know, overall, you know, up there with, you know, a lot of the better drafts in NBA history. We're going to talk a bit about how the top five picks are really running into place as being great decisions and fits. For the teams that chose those players. We're going to talk about that a bit in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to talk about Ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., where they rank on this year's top 25 under 25 from ESPN and how I think you know, there may be a bit of, of underrated perception towards Jaw and Jaron right now in the NBA. And in the third segment, we'll look at tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks. Of course, you can find the show at Locked on Grids, myself at Stats SAC on Twitter, the podcast, wherever it's available. Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you choose to listen, that's where we're going to be. And we ask that you listen, subscribe, review, let us know what you think of the show, and we would be glad to discuss any content that you feel is relevant. We always want to make sure that we're delivering content that meets our listeners' preferences. So when it comes to the 2019 NBA Draft, before we get into this, we do want to remind you of our title sponsor, Mickle of Ultra. We will have our weekly honor, Mickle of Ultra Player of the Week. We'll be discussing that. I don't think it's going to be a surprise, but we'll discuss that after the first segment. But yes, the 2019 NBA draft, I think, is coming together, you know, as a, probably being a bit better right now, then people might think, especially when it comes to the top five. Not that, you know, every player that was picked in the top five is going to turn into, you know, a multi time all star or a franchise player or anything like that. I just think that the 2019 draft is coming together kind of like the 2020 draft is, to, you know, be a bit better than people may have thought it was. You know, the 2019 draft, I believe, was really thought as being kind of a top three draft with Zion Williamson, John Moran, and R.J. Barrett, you know, being the top three picks. But the thing that I really think is is coming into making sense is that for each of the teams that were there, I do know Atlanta traded up, but for each of the teams that were there picking in the top four, I think that for each of the top five picks— All five teams that had a pick in the top five in the 19 draft are really starting to be pleased with how it worked out. You can make a case that perhaps Darius Garland may not be the fifth best player in the 2019 draft, but for where Cleveland was and what was on the board, I think that you can clearly make a case that it was a sensible pick when it comes to Darius Garland at five. and I think the same can be said for the top four picks, obviously. With New Orleans, Zion Williamson, it it it, it was a no-brainer. You took what was going to be one of the a generational prospect, one of the best prospects we've seen overall, both in terms of pedigree, in terms of hype, in terms of skill, since LeBron James, and it's worked out. In terms of his first 100 games, very few, if any, players have been on the level of Zion. He's he's very similar, maybe not to the level of, but very similar to Luka Doncic, and he clearly is the best talent from that draft. So it was just a clear win for. The New Orleans Pelicans had a clear choice that he was number one. John Morant at number two. You know, I hear these talks about you know, uh, you know, R.J. Barrett. You know, maybe getting to the level of or even better than John Morant. He's not. We'll stop that talk right now. One of the things that's fueling that talk is the fact that uh, John Morant, right this season, is struggling. From on defense and from three, but he has been shooting the three a bit better over the past few weeks. However, those are two areas where R.J. Barrett certainly has improved this season. So I think that's why there's a bit of a fuel behind people saying R.J. may be a better player than Jaw. And here's the thing, in time, if that's true... That's fine, but it does not change the fact that the right choice all along was Ja Morant. His personality, his brand, his style of play was a better, was more needed in Memphis than the style of play that R.J. Barrett presents, and just in general, I think that he's going to have a bigger impact on winning as we move forward, and so I clearly think that he was the right pick, obviously, for Memphis, which turns right around and makes R.J. Barrett the right pick for New York. Now, again, I don't think that R.J. Barrett is on Ja's level right now, but that doesn't mean that he certainly has taken significant steps forward. I think that he's clearly made it, you know, reasonable to expect that he could be a multi-time all-star and could play a pivotal role as a top three or four player on a resurgent Knicks team in the future that could be a playoff contender in the East. He has two-way potential, has shown the ability to shoot the three, has shown some self-creation when it comes to his shot. And so, yes, I do think that R.J. Barrett was clearly the top, uh, the the third best talent in this draft. And individually, he could you know, have some seasons where he's the second best, but I think with how the draft fell, it was exactly the right spot for R.J. Barrett, In both in terms of him being the third overall pick and in New York. The Atlanta pick with DeAndre Hunter is turning out to be a great pick as well. Though he's been injured this year, DeAndre Hunter has been incredible at times, and I think that he is a sensible wing partner for Atlanta, who have invested a lot in in the post. You know, they, they traded for Clint Capella. John Collins has developed, but they're not going to sign him long term. And obviously they drafted on Onkongwu as well. So when it comes to the the Hawks' desire to put together a complete team, DeAndre Hunter emerging this season as he has when he's been on the court has been a true delight to see because it's answered the call for the Hawks when it comes to a wing prospect to really put together next to Trey Young that can be controllable, that can be kind of a kind of a the third or fourth option on an Atlanta team that's going to have playoff aspirations going forward, and it's a sign to Atlanta that they have developed the right player, a 3-and-D type player who really does complement the game of Trey Young well. And then for Cleveland, it's Darius Garland. Now, yes, they did pick a small guard with the 8th pick in the 2018 draft, but the reason why Darius Garland was a fine pick is because they took a chance on a very pivotal position for a project, but a very, very talented prospect in Darius Garland, and I truly feel that it's worked out. Darius Garland has shown some very good ability this season again when he's been on the court but I don't necessarily know if he has the fifth best upside out of the 19 draft he's not been the fifth best player so far in his career but I do think that it made sense for Cleveland to take him with what was on the board I certainly think that he does have higher upside than some other players were that were taken behind him and I do think that he has shown good development you know this season with um, the Cleveland Cavaliers Along with Colin Sexton, who has emerged, I don't know if that backcourt can work out long term. One thing you can always do is lead into more trade assets or develop your team in a unique way with both guards being featured. But I do think that Darius Garland has very good potential, as he's shown good sh- shooting potential, scoring potential this season, but also good passing potential. And I think that's very important, obviously, in, in you know in an NBA system where two point the two point guard schemes are going to become more and more prevalent. So overall, I think that the 2019 2019- Draft for whatever opinion you have of it, and whatever opinion you may be forming this year, yes, I can certainly say there are times where RJ Barrett and DeAndre Hunter have played better than John Morant this year. But when it comes to where each of these players were placed, both in terms of where they were drafted and the teams that they went for, I think that all five draft picks are very sensible. And that says something when it comes to, you know, the 18 draft, the 17 draft, there's the 20 draft, the 2020 draft. There have been several drafts recently in NBA history, where there have been some crazy, you know, mistakes, in all honesty, made each year, in all of those years, when it comes to where certain players went. But in the 2019 draft, I think that you could look at the top five, and you could say to yourself... For each team that picked in the position that they picked in that top five and for the player that went in each position, I think that all five were sensible. And it's fun to see this young development, especially when the Grizzlies have such an investment in that 19 draft with John Morant. Amber and in Clark. But one of the things that the Grizzlies did well is they made the right investment in our Michelob Ultra Player of the Week. Coming up, I'm going to discuss who the Michelob Ultra Player of the Week is, and then we'll get into why I think Ja and Jaron may be a bit underrated when it comes to the young stars in today's NBA. Before we talk about the two obvious cornerstones of the future for the Grizzlies, I want to talk about a guy who currently is paying, playing at his clear peak as a veteran for Memphis, and that is Jonas Valanciunas. Just night in and night out, it seems that Jonas is rewriting the franchise's history books when it comes to his ability to rebound and get points, setting the record for the most double-doubles in the history of the Grizzlies franchise. And overall, doing something, I believe that the a, a, a Grizzlies— uh, their press release said Grizzly's PR on Twitter said he's done something in two straight games that nobody has done besides Dwight Howard over the past several decades. That's how dominant he has been, but the thing about it is, is if you talk to Jonas about his individual accolades so far this season, he doesn't care for it. He wants to talk about playing with his teammates. He gets joy from playing with the playing with his teammates because of the happiness that it brings him and everybody else to be a part of the culture in the locker room that is the Memphis Grizzlies, and it allows for them to play enjoyment, and then enjoyment fuels their ability to develop, their ability to deal, and their ability to continue to get better as a team to reach the unexpected heights that they have, besides being in the second year of a rebuild. And when it comes to your enjoyment as a fan, I can tell you this, you'll enjoy your experience more by having a nice glass of Michelob Ultra every time you watch the Grizzlies. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. Joy creates success. Enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And I can tell you this, there's a whole lot of joy for when the Grizzlies get to play with each other because they can truly answer this question this way. Are you happy because you win or do you win because you're happy? Because for the Grizzlies, I can tell you that they win because they're happy playing together. You'll be happier if you enjoy a nice glass of Michelob Ultra and enjoy the great play from Jonas Valanciunas and the Grizzlies going forward this season. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So every year, despite whatever opinion that you may have of them, ESPN, when it comes to the NBA, they put out some fun things that lead to plenty of discussion and debate. Yes, some of the things that they put out – just clearly seems to be, for the pure sake, it, 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 the formula for creating it just purely seems to be to create debate. More than to use logic as, as as the you know pure reason behind the rankings that they do, but they did release their top twenty five under twenty five as they do every year, and obviously any time that that's done now, when it comes to the Memphis Grizzlies, that is a big deal because we now have two players who should be on every one of those lists going forward. You know, uh, before the season started, you know the Grizzlies or the uh, ESPN released their top one hundred n- now in terms of their top one hundred NBA players. Right now, before the season started, thing is, is that John Morant was at 31 and Jaron Jackson Jr. was at 43 on that list. They were one of only five players at age 21 or under, along with Luca Doncic, Zion Williamson, and Tyler Hero. Four of the five players deserved to be on there. Tyler Hero didn't, but anywho, they, John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. were only were only were two of the five players under the age of 21. On that list, but the thing is, is that now we're nearly, you know, less than four months later, and all of a sudden, Jaron Jackson Jr. is not even on this list. Now I'll start with John Morant, and he, he is at number fifteen on this list, and, you know, it, I think that that is a pretty fair ranking. You know, you know, to talk about the guys that are near him, you've got Brandon Ingram at number 11, Jalen Brown at 10, Jamal Murray at 13, Michael Porter Jr. at 14, John ja Moran at 15. Then after Jaw, you've got Trey Young, Mikael Bridges, Damana Sabonis, and Anthony Edwards. I think that that's a fair ranking for Jaw. actually. You might be able to move him a bit up that list. You've got, say, Gilgis Alexander, Bam Adebayo, and others who are up near, you know, at the bottom of that top 10, but I think that 15 right now is actually pretty fair for John. I think that he, you know, the the overall impact that he has on winning with how he elevates his game in big games against, you know, higher talented teams than the Grizzlies, how he elevates the overall Play of his teammates and how much teammates love playing with him. I think those three things are a bit underrated when it comes to Jaw, especially with the fact that he has regressed a bit and that obviously his shooting from distance as well as his defense have become, you know, not necessarily clear concerns, but weaknesses in his game. There are more prevalent weaknesses in his game right now than they were during his rookie season. All of that is fair to say. So overall, I don't mind that 15th ranking when it comes to Jaw Morant. I do think that he could potentially. You know, a year from now, if the Grizzlies do well in the playoffs and Morant is fully healthy and does improve these weaknesses, I easily think Ja Morant could have the opportunity to move into the top 10 discussion of this list. But the bigger qualms that I have are actually with the fact that Jaron Jackson Jr. is not ranked at the tie on this list at all. He is not ranked at all on this list. And the whole reason why is because of the fact that he's injured. The thing is this, if you want to question... Jaron Jackson Jr. long-term because of this injury, I think it's okay to be a little bit concerned, but I don't necessarily think that he all of a sudden is injury-prone. The Grizzlies are simply doing what they think is right because of the meniscus tear that occurred back in the bubble. And yes, it's taken much longer than people may anticipate when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. and his ability to get on the floor this year. But the key thing about it is this, is that while he has missed a year of development, and that is frustrating to see this his talent is not all of a sudden sapped the point of him taking so long to improve or to Takes so long to recover from his injury and get back on the court is to come back at 100%. It's his health that he needs to get back in place. It's not his level of talent. So if you ranked him where you did last year, and now all of a sudden that he is off the list, I think that's a bit short sighted by ESPN. For instance, they have players such as Tyrese Halliburton, Colin Sexton, Lonzo Ball, Jared Allen, John Collins, very talented young players, but I don't think that any of those players have the true ceiling that Jaron Jackson Jr. does when he's back on the court. If you were to see how he ended the season last year before he got hurt before the suspension of the season, and especially without he was playing in the bubble, I think that there's a different story that's here to create. So I think that it's a bit short-sighted of ESPN and of anybody else who truly questions the long-term potential that Jaron Jackson Jr. has. There's no doubt in my opinion that he should be in the top 20 on that list with John Morant because of what he's shown so far. Yes, you would love for him to have been on the court. Yes, it's frustrating to see that he has not been on the court this year for that needed next step in development. But at the end of the day, he's still only going to be a few months past his 22nd birthday when he starts his fourth season in the NBA and the other thing to think about is this is while Jaron Jackson Jr. certainly has been recovering from that meniscus tear don't think for one second he hasn't taken necessary steps to try to improve his game so I do question ESPN when it comes to Jaron Jackson Jr. I do think that people are starting to underrate Jackson Jr. a bit if I it's certainly logical to question long-term what impact he can make or if he potentially is going to be a higher health risk than others on this list. I get that. But if you're ranking the top 25 under 25, based purely off potential, potential being the biggest determining factor, I find it hard to believe you're going to find 25 players. In my opinion, it's going to be hard to believe that you're going to find 20 players under the age of 25 right now who have more potential than Jaron Jackson Jr. And I cannot wait just like so many Grizzlies fans cannot wait, I cannot wait for Jaron Jackson Jr. to get back on the court. And while it may just be glimpses that we see of what he, we know he can do and what he showed last year that he can do, at the very least it's going to be things to build off of once he gets another offseason under his belt fully healthy, to allow for him to really take off next year if that's what it takes. I'm telling you right now, I'm fully confident that at the start of next year, Jaron Jackson Jr. is going to surprise people and get back right into the conversation of truly being one of the best young big men in the league going forward. And not only that, he's going to solidify any type of concerns that are out there that the number two man in this Grizzlies franchise to support John Morant going forward is is himself, and so I think that there's going to be plenty of heads turned when Jaron Jackson Jr. is back and healthy. Again, his health is what he's been looking to get back to 100%. His talent has always been there, and if you ranked him as high as you did in previous top 25 under 25s, nothing has changed as far as his talent goes. I can't wait till he proves all of these people that are underrating him that he truly is the talent that many had hoped for and that we saw glimpses of last year, and we hopefully will see that plenty of over the next six months or so, or over the, hopefully in a few of the games over the next month or so, and after a full offseason of getting back to true health and really improving his game, he'll take off in his fourth year and really emerge once again as being the true young stars in this league. But speaking of young stars, if you like to see them play, you're going to have the chance to do that tonight when it comes to the Dallas Mavericks meeting the Grizzlies in the FedEx Forum for the Grizzlies' last home game before they take a big seven-game road trip. But tonight, they can't can't look past it. It's a huge game for their division as Dallas is the top, is the, is now the leader in the division and is also seventh plate in the West. But with the win tonight, the Grizzlies can move into a half game of both the division lead and number seven in the Western Conference. We'll look at that a bit more in the third segment of this edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Well, I certainly think Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, you know, level of potential compared to the The other young stars in the NBA today certainly makes them underrated. I can tell you one thing that's not underrated, and that is Built Bar, especially with how much we've talked about it via the Locked On Podcast Network. But there's a reason why. It's the best tasting protein bar that's out there on the market. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's a healthy benefit to your day that you could have in the morning as a breakfast, in the afternoon as a snack, maybe before and after a workout. However you choose to enjoy it, Built Bar is going to make your day better. If you go to Locked On, if you go to Billbar.com, not only do you have 18 different flavors to choose from, but if you put in the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. You can go to builtbar.com right now, put in the promo code LOCKEDON, and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. What an awesome Sunday. This past Sunday was WrestleMania, the WWE, the Masters going on. We had afternoon baseball all across the country. Even with football and March Madness in the rearview mirror and now months away from being back again, we've still got so many things to enjoy in the world of sports. And if part of your fanhood is betting and wagering on sports, I got the one place that has you covered, and and that is BetOnline.ag. The fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine bet has you covered for all the new scores and odds it's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet your online sportsbooks expert again use the promo code locked on or head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA Draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast, scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week. Or excuse me, full review coverage of March Madness four days a week from credential draft experts. Follow the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So one big reason why we were talking so much about the Grizzlies, you know, the impact of the Grizzlies games over the weekend and why it was unfortunate to see them lose the games that they did against the Knicks and the Pacers is because if they had won those games, or even if they had dropped one of them, the Grizzlies could potentially right now be playing for the division lead tonight as they welcome the Dallas Mavericks to the FedEx Forum. Now, A couple of things need to be considered, and it needs to be kept in context. It's an exciting narrative for tonight that the Grizzlies could, at the very least, get within a half a game of the division lead and the seventh spot in the West. But the thing is, is that this Dallas Mavericks team, while the Grizzlies certainly are within striking distance of taking the division lead, it still needs to be kept in context a couple of things about the remaining schedules for the Grizzlies and the Mavericks. The Mavericks, as Drew Hill mentioned last week when we discussed this, the Mavericks have the second easiest schedule in the NBA over the next month, and they're at near full health right now, the healthiest that they've been in quite a while. The Grizzlies have one of the harder schedules left. Not only that, they have one of the busiest schedules left, and they're about to take a seven-game road trip in which they're playing some of the better teams in the Western Conference. Certainly, the Grizzlies could surprise, but it will be hard to see the Grizzlies having a winning record on this upcoming road trip, unless they just play outstanding basketball like they have at certain times during the month of April. But when it comes to this Grizzlies-Dallas-Mavericks matchup, there is a little bit of encouragement when it comes to how the Grizzlies could find its success against the Mavericks. Now, between February and March, the Mavericks were arguably a top-five team in the NBA. That's how well they were playing. If you go to NBA.com and you look over the past 15 games, you'll see that the Mavericks actually have the fourth-best net rating over the past 15 games in the NBA for every NBA team. That basically means over the past month, they've had the fourth-best net rating of any team in the NBA. But if you narrow your focus a little bit you know, smaller over their past four. Four games Dallas has dropped 3 of their last 4 games and in April they are the 21st ranked Offense in terms of offensive rating, they have struggled a bit from their offensive production. And a couple of the reasons why is across the board, they're getting less production from major players. Tim Hardery Jr., even Luka Doncic only shooting 30% from three in April. That certainly has, even though they're incremental steps back, it has impacted the Mavericks. So the Grizzlies do get the Mavericks at a little bit a little bit vulnerable, more vulnerable than we've seen here as of late. The last time we played the Mavericks, they were at the beginning of getting really hot in a defensive struggle where the Grizzlies just had absolutely no offensive chemistry at all. They just could not get the offense going in a 102-92 loss. But the Grizzlies, if they can play like they have been playing at times during April, especially during the first four games of April, they have a very good shot to be able to get the win against this Mavericks team. But at the end of the day, this Mavericks team is still, in my opinion, the best team in the division and really a team that hardly anybody wants to see when it comes to the playoffs with how well they have been playing. However, again, Luka has has struggled a bit. He's shooting 30% from three in April. His scoring's down a bit. His assists and rebounds are down a bit. Though he is down, Kristaps Porzingis actually has has increased his overall production. In the month of April, scoring nearly 24 points per game, shooting 38% from three. He's looking healthier. We've talked about how his injury could be an idea of what we could see from Jaron Jackson Jr. Perhaps when he gets back, though Jaron's not going to have the time this year to be able to get back into the flow of things like Kristaps has. Porzingis certainly has stepped his game back up and is certainly once again a force complementing Luca. So the big thing tonight for the Grizzlies is, is that they're going to have to play that balanced offense. They're going to have to play not only the readiness and willingness to shoot from three as Coach Taylor Jenkins pointed out, but the same type of attitude towards scoring in the paint and the ability to decide when to do which when it comes to this Mavericks team. Because this Mavericks team is quite good. They average the fifth most three-point attempts from the field per season, but they also are fifth in the NBA when it comes to scoring from two. So they 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 are one of the most frequent teams shooting the three, yet they're one of the most accurate teams when it comes to shooting inside the arc. So that offensive balance that the Grizzlies are seeking for, the Mavericks are a good example of what that can do for you, because if you can consistently shoot from three, you're eventually going to get enough threes to make a difference, especially when you can support it with being so, so accurate from within the arc. But overall, this Mavericks team is 19th in the league when it comes to scoring this year, 111 points per game. The Grizzlies offense can play with this Mavericks offense. The key, though, is how to solve this Mavericks defense because the Mavericks are 7th in the league when it comes to limiting success within the arc. They're 11th in the league when it comes to limiting success beyond the three-point line. One area where you can find some success against this Mavericks team is you can find success when it comes to Both the ability to rebound as well as the ability to where they do not create turnovers. Though they don't turn the ball over themselves, this Mavericks team is third in the league when it comes to turnovers committed. They're the third best team in the league when it comes to taking care of the basketball. But they're 29th in the league when it comes to creating turnovers turnovers. So this is very much a disciplined, effective team when it comes to limiting defense more than an opportunistic defense. If the Grizzlies can have any success being able to get create turnovers and find their way to get extra possessions especially through offensive rebounds that's one way this Grizzlies team really has the chance to be able to find success but once again the but the overall the Mavericks made thir- nearly 14 threes per game this is going to be a game I feel where the Grizzlies are going to have to get at least 50 points in the paint as well as make enough threes in the teens in order to win the game I think the Grizzlies are going to have to have a game like they did in the early part of April where they were making you know 13 or 15 to 17 threes a and if they can support that with maybe 50 or more points in the paint, I think that'll be a highly, highly successful night for the Grizzlies. And once again, the balance that they need to be able to find success in the paint plus beyond the three-point line. And if the Grizzlies can do that, that gives their defense enough confidence to be able to, you know, if even if you can only contain Luka and uh, Chris Stops, the other big thing for the Grizzlies would be to make sure that nobody else steps up and has a big game, kind of like Tim Hardaway did in the first half of the last time they played the Dallas Mavericks. So that's what stands out to me. This Grizzlies team is going to have to play one, a game like they did in early April when they beat the 76ers, the Hawks, and the Heat in three straight games. If they can find success doing that, if they can, their offense can play to that level, I like the Grizzlies' chances to win because I think that they'll be able to find success – stop getting stops against a Dallas team that they were able to get stops against at times you know to come back in that game back in early February so if the Grizzlies can simply put two things together play offense at least to a similar level that they have in their first few games in April and have one of those stretches in the second half where they keep the Mavericks maybe to eight or ten points over like maybe a six to seven minute span I think that's how the Grizzlies can find success it's going to be a hard it's going to be a hard game to play the Grizzlies are going to be underdogs in this game and the Mavericks teams certainly has shown the capability to where they can, if they're playing at their best, it's going to be very hard for the Grizzlies to beat them. But we've seen the Grizzlies at their best recently. And if they can put another game like that together, I do like their chances tonight against Dallas. It certainly will be fun to see. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you enjoyed this fun edition of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. You can find all of our podcasts at, at, at wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, you know, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcast, that's where we will be the new Odyssey app. We ask that you rate, review, subscribe, listen, enjoy. Until next time, it's a pleasure talking with you. Tomorrow, we'll have the recap of the Dallas game, looking at the rest of the week for the Grizzlies, really getting an idea of how their seven-game road trip is coming together, a seven-game road trip that is really going to be critical. At the end of this seven-game road trip, that the Grizzlies will start. Following tonight's game against Dallas, I really do think that's going to get a clear indicator number one of what we can expect from Jaron Jackson Jr. potentially for the rest of the season, but also what we can expect from this Grizzlies team as far as the playoffs are concerned. We'll have much more that and much more to talk about over the next few episodes to end this week on the Locked On Grizzlies Podcast. Until then, enjoy the game tonight. We'll talk to you soon here at the Locked On Grizzlies Podcast.